out there in podcast land, you have set to dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 54. Today we're going to be going over a whole slew of things, but I don't want to bury the lead as I tend to do. We've got undefeated 8-0 Bellator heavyweight Stephen Mowry going 10 rounds with Rhino, so stay tuned for that towards the end of the show. Today's schedule is as follows. We've got our recap of last night's super middleweight championship battle between Canelo Alvarez and Callum Smith from San Antonio, Texas. Our full breakdown of UFC Las Vegas 17, Drea's world-famous drop of the night, Twitter voice questions from the Rhino gang, 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 gang. Then the undefeated aforementioned six foot eight, 250 pound Bellator heavyweight Stephen Mowry is going to go 10 rounds with Rhino. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait for you guys to check it out. So let's go ahead and get our swim chunks and our flippy floppies and dive right in. So as I said last night from the Alamo Dome, we had the WBA, WBC, and Ring Magazine Super Middleweight Championship on the line between Canelo Alvarez and Callum Smith, everybody knows who Canelo is. He's a longtime super duper duper star in boxing. Callum Smith, very tough Brit, um, 27-0 going in against Canelo's 53-1-2. This one was one-way traffic, as we like to say around here. Canelo was in charge from bell to bell. The whole fight, his hooks were beautiful, even giving up a full seven-inch reach and height advantage to Smith. He was in charge. He led the dance. His footwork is always incredible. Uh, his head movement is sick. The the hooks were the thing. I mean, I know the, he landed a lot of jabs, but the damage came from his beautiful hooks, uh, especially inside. Callum Smith had no answer for Canelo. Again, it was a Canelo night. Um, the, the interesting thing was, for me, uh, not even the fight, was the fact that they allowed 15,000 fans into the Alamo Dome, which was 20% of capacity. So there was a, an attempt to keep people socially distanced. But for all of you who watched it, and I watched it, there was almost there was very few masks the ones that were on were pulled beliefs of face. Not a good deal. Um, but as far as the actual fight itself, great win for Canelo Alvarez. Callum Smith, no shame, dude. You got to go back to the drawing board and get after it. You're still a very good super middleweight, and I look forward to seeing this next for you. We do have a Canelo question, uh, or two of them, actually, later in the Rhino Gang uh, Q&A forum, so we'll get to those a little bit later. All right, so let's go ahead and dive right into uh, UFC Vegas 17, our last Oh, sad face emoji. Our last UFC for three weeks. So uh, last night was very much a decision fest, dude. Out of the 12 fights, I think nine went to decision. Like, holy smokes. But there were some good fights and there were some not so good fights. So we started off with a catchweight bout between Carlton Minus and Christos Giagos um, at 160 pounds. Early takedown for Giagos. Minus is able to escape, but then literally almost the entire rest of the fight was Yagos just taking minus down kind of having his way with him. He couldn't, he had a lot of sub opportunities that were available to him, particularly had an arm choke, but he never really took advantage. Um, so he just kind of rode out for the win. So Christos Yagos gets a unanimous decision over Carlton minus at a catch weight of 160 pounds. Then we went into the 125 pound division or the flyweights with Jimmy flick versus Cody Durden. Cody Durden was kicking Jimmy Flick's ass early, dude. Beautiful kicks, beautiful punches. Um, and then, boom, before you knew it, you blinked. And Jimmy Flick kind of threw a kick. Durden caught it. Jimmy Flick threw a kick. And Durden caught it. And then Jimmy Flick jumped up and, like, pulled up a, a triangle, brought him down to the ground, finished with it, dude. Beautiful submission win for Jimmy Flick. He is really putting his name on the map to be a problem at 125, dude. So good on him. Uh, moving into the 185-pound or middleweight division with Tafan Chukwi versus Jamie Pickett. This one was kind of like 
Tafan came out really hard from the start, right, and really backed up Jamie. I don't know if that set the tone for the rest of the fight, but Pickett really did uh, try to kind of stay away from the power. Uh, Tafan was really, really strong with his punches, right? He is at only 4-0. and I didn't think he would kind of have the skill set to do much more than punch, but he really kind of diversified the portfolio throughout. He had some nice clinch work, some inside punches and elbows. Uh, Pickett tried doing the same, but Pickett really looked like he really wanted to stay on his bike and kind of stay away from the power of uh, Chukwi, but this was clearly Chukwi all the way through. Gave a nice unanimous decision for this guy uh, who really has a lot of potential. I look forward to seeing what's next for him. Moving back into the 125-pound division, this time with the ladies, we had Jillian Robertson versus uh, Talia Santos. Jillian tried to pull guard right away and pull off a nice sub, but Talia was not having it, dude. She was in charge this entire fight. She had some nice ground and pound. She got top position a bunch of times. She shirked off every single submission attempt from Jillian. Uh, I think it was Bisping that even mentioned last night, like, you got to have a plan B because Jillian's plan A is always take you down and submit you. Well, Talia was not having it last night. She had great jujitsu, even though she's known as a Muay Thai striker. Um, you know, 17 and one now. She got the unanimous decision over Jillian. It was she opened her up with a nice cut. I liked I liked seeing Santos in there. I thought she did a great job. And so uh yeah, unanimous decision for Santos at 125 over Jillian Robertson. Moving into the catch weight of 195 pounds between uh Duran Wynn and Antonio Arroyo. This one was like <laughs> your classic. Small man versus big man, right? But but Arroyo on the feet looked great. He, he used really long jabs, some nice front kicks and teeps. But every single time, Ron Wayne tried to take him down, he took him down. He didn't do a whole lot when he was on there, right? Very little ground and pound. That much, no looking for submissions or anything. But he took him down over and over and over again. And Arroyo really gassed out. Uh, so Deron Wynn, again, got the unanimous decision over Arroyo just from constant takedowns. And Arroyo, man, you got to be able to sprawl, dude, in this fucking game. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what kind of... Um, I don't know what he wants to do moving forward, but if you want to be an MMA fighter, you have to learn how to sprawl. I, I grant you, uh, Deron Wynn is a great wrestler. I mean, he's a fantastic wrestler, but every single time he dove for a leg, he took him down. And uh, Arroyo was able to get back to his feet pretty often, but still, man, you got to be able to shirk off those takedowns, dude. So a uh, big win for Deron Wynn that probably keeps him in the UFC, even though it wasn't the, like, the most exciting performance in the world, but a win's a win. So, all right. <laughs> Moving on, I do. Uh, Patty Kanzad versus Sajara Eubanks. This one was Sajara the entire first round, got the quick takedown, top position the whole time. And then for the latter of the next two rounds, it was really back and forth. I thought uh, I thought Payne did a good job of, of landing more shots, and then Sajara was landing the harder shots, right? So then it comes down to which one do you put more value into when it comes out for your winner. But uh, uh, Kinzad got the got the unanimous decision over Sajara, so that snapped Sajara's little win streak she had going, and a uh, good win for the for the Swede. Uh, shout out to Brad MMA, go Sweden. Uh, going into our next fight, which was the feature prelim at 170 pounds with Anthony Showtime Pettis versus Alex Morono. Alex is coming off of a win just a few weeks ago. Did a great job of putting pressure on Anthony, particularly in the first round. And then kind of Anthony kind of woke up, kind of got the timing down, really seemed to be a lot more confident on his feet, both in the second and in the third. This was definitely all Pettis. He, and towards the end of the third, he really threw a beautiful wheel kick. Um, 
kind of reminiscent of Edson Barbosa and Terry Edmund, except for it didn't hit him on the jaw, hit him on the top of the head. And Morono kind of did the uh, stagger and kind of like Bambi on ice kind of legs, you know what I mean? And he was kind of staggering around and Anthony went in for the kill, didn't get it. But again, a nice win for Anthony Pettis with UD over Alex Morono. All right, that's going to move our way into the main card because that was our prelims. Uh, Marcin Tybura versus Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy was beating Marcin's ass in the first round. Uh, he at one point landed like six straight rights, dude. I thought it was bad business for Tybura just to stand there and take those shots, but he must have known something that we didn't because Greg definitely tired out. Marcin took him down in the second round, started throwing down some hammer fists and some punches. Greg wasn't moving. I'm not saying they were the most devastating shots in the world, but Hardy's just seemed to be totally gassed out. Big win for Marcin Tybura. Um, shout out to my girl, Shaylin. We were, we were messaging during that one. Uh, so, yeah, another big win for Marcin Tybura. He now has the longest streak current in the heavyweight division. Um, so good win for him. It's always, yeah, we will never, at this show, we will never cheer for Greg Hardy. Great win for Tybura. All right, then moving into uh, Marlon Marjaez versus Rob Fought from the New England Cotel. Rob Fought, holy shit, this did not go the way I expected. I picked Rob Fought to win, but I thought it was going to be, um, I thought it was going to be later in the fight. This one was an early takedown from Marlon Marjaez, right? Then they, then they got up and had some nice exchanges. Then Rob Hunt, uh knocked him down with a beautiful shot, finished a little bit of ground and pound. Marlon Marias was done. Rob Font, first round TKO due to GMP. What a huge win and feather in his cap for Rob Font. Uh, shout out to GSP. GSP, I meant RSP. <laughs> shout out to RSP because we were uh, messaging about the Rob Font fight. A very, very cool. Big win for him. I actually have a question about him later on in the show, which I will answer. Uh, moving into the kind of the bummer for me last night was my my fellow Detroiter, man, Chaos Williams versus Michelle Pajeda. Michelle Pajeda, you know, did a lot of his leg kicks and a lot of his um, dancing around and stuff. And Chaos really hurt him a couple times, particularly early. And then towards the end of the second round, caught him with a very nice combo. But I thought it was 10-9 Chaos in the first. And then in the second and the third, I gave it to Michelle Pajeda for landing more, for the takedowns, for uh, just being a little bit more aggressive. So big I mean, big win for Michelle. I really, you know, I'm a huge chaos fan just because, not just because he's a Michigan guy, but I really love his power. I love his intensity. I think he will be one of those guys who really bounces back from this loss and uh, look better in his next fight. So nice win for Michelle Pajeda. I think chaos Williams is going to be a stud even more so moving forward. All righty, moving into our, uh, into our co-main event, we had the longtime featherweight champ now fighting again at 135, Jose Aldo versus Marlon Chito Vera. This one was a fun fight uh, in the first round. I gave it to Aldo, 10-9 for his body shots. That driving, digging liver body shot was great. He had some nice leg kicks. I gave Chito Vera the second round with his clinch work uh, and be able to work inside against Jose Aldo. And then in the third round, Jose pretty much spent almost the entire time on Chito Vera's back and on top. I gave him the clear-cut unanimous decision. It was a good win to get against a very tough fighter in Chito Vera. Uh, Jose Aldo is really looking to get in that title picture at 135. I know I know that's what his goal is, and he, he needed a win last night against Chito Vera, and he got it. So good on him. All righty, so that's going to lead us into our main event from last night, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Jeff Neal. Let's go ahead and D-Rays. Let's give Drea a call, and we'll go ahead and break down this main event before getting into her world-famous drop of the night. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, now joining us today is our feature player, Dre. I'm going to be going over our Wonderboy Thompson versus Jeff Neal main event. So, Dre, I will go ahead and get us started on this one. So, this was pretty much Wonderboy doing Wonderboy things, right? His, in, his incredible ability that he's always had is to dive in and dive out. Dive in, strike, get one or two off, and then get out of the way. Use his impeccable footwork. Jeff Neal is a good fighter, but he needs a dance partner who's going to kind of stay in front of him and trade a la Mike Perry, right? So, so Wonder Boy really, I look like to me, he just dominated the entire time. Uh, he outlanded 191 to 110 over Jeff Neal. I thought all five rounds went to Wonder Boy. What was your take on it? Same thing. Definitely all five rounds. Um, Thompson's style and evasiveness, his footwork, the ability to counter strike is just insane. So it's like no matter how hard Neal tried, it was just like, you know, if he threw one, then two were coming back, you know, right back at him. And, um, you know, I agree that Wonderboy just outclassed him more or less uh, the entire fight. So it was definitely one-way traffic in in my opinion as well. Yeah, I definitely do. Big win for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I still think Jeff Neal's a good fighter, and I think we'll see him again. Just sometimes guys run into an opponent who was tailor-made for their style, and they can't look good against him. And Wonderboy does that to a lot of people. So no reason to hang your head, Jeff Neal. We hope you'll be back soon. I hope you got a good payday. I know you guys um, – I know he was he's been working at, uh, I believe it's Texas Roadhouse, if I'm not mistaken, uh, trying to make ends meet, which I hate. You know what I mean? I really wish he made enough just in training that he didn't have to do that. But I hope he got a good payday uh, last night and enjoys the holidays. So let's go ahead and get into our World Famous Drop of the Night. So I called last night, I called last night Decision Fest. 2020 because totally I, believe, was. I believe nine or 10 of the 12 fights that we actually got to see ended up with a decision. So what do you have to go with on your Drea's world famous drop of the night for this week? Well, like you said, since there wasn't a whole lot to choose from, uh, my Dre's drop of the night is going to come from Rob Font versus Marlon Marais. Um, round one, Rob was taken down by Marais, but able to defend and get back up um, to his feet. And then he just starts throwing bombs uh, at Marlon and he connects with this flurry that kind of stuns him. And then he gets him with an uppercut that dropped Marais to the ground. And then he just continues to basically throw everything but the kitchen sink at him uh, on the ground before the rest jumps in. Um, but eventually it was stopped and, um, and he got the finish. So my drop of the night goes to Rob Font. Big shout out to Rob Font for his. For his <laughs> you had to throw it in there. <laughs> I've already said it even before we called you. I've already said you know, it at least. Rob I've already said it like that at least three times. <laughs> it's so fun. Uh, shout, out to, shout out to New England Cartel. Shout out to Dre's drop of the night going to Rob Font. So. Let's go ahead and dive right into our Twitter questions. I know our first one comes from our dear homie from up in Canada, Rages Sweet Potato. What do you got for us this week, my dude? In the UFC, there is an ever-shifting, unspoken hierarchy of various weight classes. Some divisions are highly regarded because of dominant champs like Anderson Silva or John Jones, others because of the depth of the division, like lightweight. With John's moving to heavyweight, do you think the division might return to prominence once again? And will that be at the expense of light heavyweight, which already seems to be losing respect with fans due to John's depart excuse me, Jones' uh, departure? Uh, the answers are yes and yes from this podcast, my friend. <laughs> I think I think the crossover star power is still tied to just two names 
in the UFC, and that's John Jones and Conor McGregor. I'm talking about for people who are, we would call casuals or even people who barely follow the sport at all. They've heard of John Jones and Conor McGregor. So wherever John Jones, his star power gets injected into, now that's going to be the 265-pounder heavyweight division. And again, it's a pretty far drop between John Jones, Conor McGregor, and then everybody else, right, um, before you get to your next tier of fighters. Heavyweight will most certainly get a boost of interest when John starts fighting there. Um, I'm super excited. Actually, there's another question about this later on in the show that I, that I address this as well. But I am super interested in seeing John in the 265-pound division. I think light heavyweight will also suffer, uh, especially at first, because it's already not the deepest division, right? Um, and then you're taking the biggest star out of it it's going to hurt some, right? I mean, there, I know there's still, still some prospects. I know there's still some veterans at 205, but in the grand scope of the UFC, it's one of the, it's not one of the toughest divisions and not one of the deepest divisions, not one of the divisions that has the, the sexiness appeal to it right now. Right. A lot of guys have already fought each other. John Jones has pretty much gone through everybody. So yeah, I think it's definitely going to take a hit at least early as far as fan interest, but you know, just like every other division, it, it could absolutely get three or four new bodies into it and, and really get hot again, you know, but I think in the beginning for the first, you know, few months, I think it's definitely going to take a hit as far as interest and the heavyweight division is definitely going to take a boost. So great question. RSP. Thank you so much, my dude. I know our next one comes from actually our next two come from my homie, Mr. B from over there in New York. Mr. B, what do you got for us for a first question, my friend? Number one, after his solid performance last night, do you think Anthony Pettis should stay at welterweight or move back down to lightweight? And question two is boxing related. Should Canelo face Triple G next to end the rivalry or should he continue to build on his legacy and look for other fights and collect belts? So question one, Mr. B, clearly Anthony Pettis looked really good last night, particularly in the second and third rounds. Um, here's the problem. <laughs> okay, Maruno's really, really tough and a skilled fighter, but he, he's not what you would consider to be your top tier at 170 or even skill set wise equivalent to somebody at top tier of 155. I think Anthony feels physically better at 170. He looks like he's uh, more energetic there. I really like him at 170. I know his opponents would be probably, I hate to use the word easier. I think he would be more competitive with more opponents at 155, if that makes sense. I'm guessing he's going to drop down again. That's what he mentioned last night. I know he's on a kind of a newer, cleaner living uh, kind of a lifestyle right now. He's cut out alcohol and uh, I believe he said he cut out marijuana as well. So I, I think we're going to see a more healthier version of him moving forward. I just don't know if moving back down to 155 is the right move for him physically, particularly as we get older. And we've covered this in shows previously. As we get older, the the ability to cut weight becomes more and more difficult. And the effects are more detrimental on our bodies the more we go up in age. So I like him at 170, dude. I would like Anthony Pettis to stay at 170, uh, have have more fights at that in the welterweight division. But it looks like he's going to move down to 155. So we'll see how he does there. But again, just to answer your question on that one, I would prefer to see him at 170. That's where I like Anthony Pettis because I think he looks physically the best and has the most energy, you know, at, at 170. So great question on that one. Now moving into boxing, personally, I don't really need to see the triple G fight um, again with Canelo, you know, Canelo already has one win and one draw. I know there's some debate on that, believe me, but again, I saw it twice already. 
Um, there's a couple of guys in mind that are at 160 right now who if they wanted to either move up to 168 or if Canelo wanted to move back down to 160, then I would really love to see, right? And those are those guys are Jamal Charlo, who's 31 and 0, who's a fantastic fighter, or Demetrius Andrade, who is it's actually Andrade, but because we say Andrade with Jessica Andrade, you see, I always say Andrade first, but Demetrius Andrade, who's 29 and 0. Um, I would love to see either one of those guys fight Canelo. It would be something new. It would be different. They're both super slick boxers with great hand speed. And you need to have fantastic hand speed to go against somebody like Canelo, whose head movement is so good, whose defense and his blocking and his parries are fucking insane. Um, His last two opponents, Smith and Kovalev, were more plotting punchers who are looking for power shots. I think Charlo or Andrade would be more of the guys who would try to land with volume as opposed to power shots. So I think it would pose some pretty new and exciting, uh, a new and exciting style to see go against Canelo and his style. So yeah, those are the two guys I would really love to see fight next rather than Triple G. I know Triple G got another win on uh, in a pretty much dominant fashion on Friday, but again, we've already seen it twice. I'm ready for new blood. Canelo versus Jamal Charlo or Demetrius Andrade next would be my first choice to see Canelo in the ring next. So, Mr. B, thank you so much for that one, my friend. Uh, next, you got our boy, Scott Nolan. Scott, what do you got for us this week, dude? Hey, y'all. Well, 2020, <laughs> at least in... <laughs> no, no, hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> that never is gonna feel natural for you to I, say. I think that, I think from going forward when he writes it, I'm just gonna skip it. <laughs> I can't I can't say it without like Oh my god, it makes me laugh every a, time. A oh my god, I'm it. sorry. I apologize. That's just so funny when you do that. All right, okay. So start well, off. well, 2020, at least in UFC terms, has come to an end. As bad of a year as uh as it's been all around, us combat fans have been extremely blessed, and it's great. Um, get, it's been great getting to know you all and many on here uh, on a more personal level. We can dislike Dana and the UFC, but we definitely owe them a lot of gratitude for soldiering through this year. Anywho, you know who I got to talk about. New England cartel Rob Font representing. There's so many interesting matchups to make in that division. What do you see next for Rob? I have an idea that's probably unpopular, but interested to hear your thoughts. Anyways, love you guys and wish you and your loved ones the merriest Christmas or any oh. other holiday that is applicable. <laughs> well, we love you too, buddy, Scott Nolan. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, dude, I, you really, you, you made me pop with the, with the y'all and making Dre say y'all because <laughs> Dre and I are from Michigan. Dre has lived in California for like 30 plus years. So y'all is not our normal thing to say. And it just sounds funny when either one of us actually say it. So um, to, to answer your question, um, for me, the answer is right in front of us, dude. Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo fought mm-hmm. last night. Rob fought, fought last night. Rob fought one last night. Jose Aldo won last night. Um, Edgar and Sandhagen are already scheduled. Munoz and Jimmy Rivera are already scheduled. So let's go Rob Vaughn versus Jose Aldo for the next one. I think that one could end up being a striker's delight. I think knowing that, um, you know, Jose still has that capability of kicking and punching. Uh, and I know Rob Font is very slick on the ground as far as getting out of things. I think they really would end up being a stand-up war and just kind of the first one to connect correctly gets the win. So I think Rob Font 
versus Jose Aldo would be fantastic. I think it's the step up that Rob Font would be looking for. It, it makes sense rankings-wise, you know what I mean? Jose Aldo, Rob Font, let's make it happen. New England Cartel versus Brazil. Oh, my gosh, that would be so much fun. I'd be so excited. <laughs> so, yeah, dude, I'm popping for that one, too, bro. I would love it. Um, yeah, that's what be next for me. So uh, thank you very much, Scott. Nolan, Dre, did you want to weigh in on that? No, I love that. Actually, that fight would be a freaking banger for sure. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. I, that. I am curious, uh, though, what Scott's uh, take on that was. He said he had an idea. That I know. Was popular stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, keep fill, fill us in, Scott. We, I yeah. Know, um, what your idea is. Absolutely, dude. We would definitely, I definitely want to hear about that. So, Dre, once again, thank you so much for coming on and killing it as always. And uh, we will absolutely, we have a special treat for everybody next week. There's going to be a whole lot more Dre on next week's episode. So stay tuned for that. Once Dre, we look forward to that. Thank you so much again. And we will talk to you next week. All right. See you next week. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Rhino Gang. Let's go ahead and get into our voice question. I know our first one comes from my dear friend Kairos from the Shots Fired Pod. What do you got this week, my dude Kairos? What's going on, guys? It's been a minute. Don't worry. I will never forget to send in a voice question from henceforth. I have it noted in my phone. Anyway, what's the most compelling story for you guys entering 2021 for the UFC? For me, it's TJ Dillashaw. I think he's poised in a position to reclaim his title, and we all know how people are going to act if and when that happens. What is it for you two? Thank you so much. Have a great day. Oh, yeah. For me, it's the John Jones run at heavyweight, dude. Um, he was so dominant for so long, as we all know, at 205. It's time to see how he's going to do moving up a division. And there's a huge discrepancy, um, you know, between walking around at 220 or 225 uh, to fighting guys who some who cut down from, you know, 280 to be able to fight the heavyweight division. I, I really look forward to seeing what John Jones brings to the table at the heavyweight division, uh, see how his speed works, how his length uh, is, if it's still as much of a factor as it was. There's a whole lot of questions I have really, really looking forward to it. So great question, Kairos. You guys have already absolutely check out Kairos on the Shots Fired pod, plus his YouTube channel. His show is amazing. Love that dude. Thank you so much, Kairos. I know our next one comes from my homie D. Kranz. What do you got this week, brother? Hey, what's going on, brother? Um, I enjoyed that card last night. Um, last card for a while. I was entertaining the thought of recording it and watching, you know, a fight a day, kind of like an advent calendar. Um, I'm going to be going through withdrawals for the next little bit. Uh, not enough fighting. Um, I just wanted to call and wish you, Rhino, Andrea, and the whole Rhino gang a very Merry Christmas and the best in New Year's. Take care. Love you guys. Oh, man, d we love you too. Right back, my man. Uh, you've always been a great supporter of the show uh, and, our, and our dear friend. We absolutely return the sentiment of happy holidays to you and your family, buddy. Uh, we really appreciate all your support that you've been with us from the very beginning. So, D. Kronz, thank you very much, my dude. Appreciate it. All right, let's go into our next question, which comes from my homie Doc. Doc, what do you got this week, brother? Hey, Rhino, it's your boy Doc. I uh, just wanted to say great show last week with John Anik. I thought it was really cool to hear uh, two people behind the microphone uh, talking to each other. Um, I know he is great at what he does and so are you so i thought that was really cool uh so my question for the week is because the ufc's next card isn't until january 16th and besides holloway versus cutter which fight are you looking most forward to just wondering um with the long break and whatnot um and also rhino gang don't forget to give the show a like and rate it well in the itunes store all right 
have a good one. Bye. Oh, great question, homie. So for me, it's Austin Lingo versus Jacob Kilburn in the featherweight division. Uh, why you might ask is because I just interviewed Austin for next week's show, and I really liked his attitude. And obviously, I researched him before I uh, before I called him and interviewed him uh, the other day. And I really liked the kid's fire. He's really solid both on the ground and on the feet. I loved his attitude. He he really was somebody that I'm looking forward to seeing. He already had a very tough fight. In the UFC against Yusef Zalal, who we all know is a really top-tier fighter at 145. So, again, I really want to see Austin Lingo versus Jacob Kilburn uh, on that um, on that January 16th card when we resume business in the UFC. Really looking forward to that. Thank you so much, Doc, for that one. And I know our last one comes from the big homie, Jimmy Soon. Jimmy Soon, what do you got for us, my man? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and the Rhino Gang, hope you all are doing well. The UFC card was pretty good. You know, there were some good fights on there, a couple of boring ones, which I don't mind having boring fights on the card because that way I get to go hit the bong or fucking smoke a joint, you know what I mean? But, uh, Canelo fucking looked really good last night. No surprise, but what do you think is next for him? That's my question for you this week. Keep up the great work, you guys. I love the show. And you know what's always 420, motherfuckers. Peace. Yeah, Jim. Canelo was fantastic last night. I mentioned it in uh, Mr. B's write-in question uh, from the Twitter, but I'd love to see him fight Jamal Charlo or um, or Andrade. Uh, either him moving down, back down to 160, or them moving up to 168. I mean, I know it can really easily be done for all three of them. But, yeah, I just – I love the Charlo – uh, idea and I also love the Demetrius Andrade idea. I think those are really interesting matchups that could provide like one of those fights that just we talked about for months afterwards about what uh, what ebbs and flows there were and how much uh, skill set was put on and how much fight IQ because all three of those guys super high fight IQs. Uh, fan, fan, I think it makes a fantastic fight. So really hope that we can make that, some of that happen uh, in the in the ensuing months. So thank you so much, Jim. That was a great question and you're right. It was four twenty. <laughs> Even though not for me, I don't, I don't do that. But uh, I'm stoked that you, uh, you were on today, and I hope your dad's doing great. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. All right, that's going to include our conclude, I should say, our voice questions. Let's go ahead and get into our ten rounds of Rhino with undefeated Bellator heavyweight Stephen Mallory. After a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey. How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. 
tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out KR Designs, Combat Sports with Rhinos, proud sponsor. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, we have got a very special 10 rounds of Rhino today with my with my division, my boys, the big fellas, the heavyweights. We got undefeated Bellator heavyweight Stephen Mowry joining us today. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. It's good to be here, Todd. Oh, yeah, man. We are absolutely stoked to have you on. You are only, out of like 50 guests, you're only my third heavyweight. So I certainly appreciate it, uh, you joining us today. So, dude, round one with 10 rounds of Rhino was almost always the same because I love to hear the story. How did you first get into mixed martial arts, man? Yeah, um, what, I guess I knew it existed before, but I got into it whenever I read about it in a magazine. Um, and I don't know, just something about it jumped out at me and I wanted to go try it right away. Oh, that's that's bad. I mean, we all have a different story as to why we got in anything. But, yeah, that's just as good as any, bro, right? So, yeah. uh, obviously, you're a really big dude, dude. Six foot eight. Um, were you always bigger kid than the other kid? Or were you kind of one of those late bloomers who didn't get really tall until high school? I was always kind of tall, but I was uh, skinny, like dreadfully skinny, too. I had a really big head, really big hands and feet, but I was like a toothpick everywhere else. Okay, so you didn't, you didn't fill out until you were like in your late late teens or something? Shit, I don't think I gained weight really until my man weight until I was like 22. (laughs) (laughs) My man weight. (laughs) I love it. Um, So what were some of the sports? I mean, obviously being a tall kid, I'm assuming you kind of got pushed into basketball. Is that a fair assessment? I mean, it's a fair assessment, but it's it's just not the truth. Um, People wanted me to play basketball. I always got asked if I play basketball. I still get asked if I play basketball, but uh, no, I, I never really got into basketball. Um, I mean, I like it. and I mean, definitely now, um, I would say over the last few years, I've really come to appreciate it as a sport. And, like, you know, I love watching the documentaries, especially about, like, the 90s, early 2000s era basketball. But, um, no, it was, just, it was never for me. Um, so, no, I, I didn't really have any serious athletic endeavors until, until MMA, really. Um, I started wrestling whenever I learned about it, just, just so I could do it. But, uh yeah, um, I went from from nothing to MMA. Yeah, that's, dude, that's fair. At least you fucking obviously you found something that you uh, have a niche for because undefeated amateur record, undefeated pro record. I think you may have made the right decision into which sport to uh, go into. So, like, like I said, now you're eight no as a pro. Oh, I hear your dog in the background. I got sorry, one of those too. No, it's all right, dude. I got one of those too. <laughs> he might make his appearance later on. You never know. Hell yeah. um, now you're eight no as a pro. Uh, but you went from like a really big regional promotion in Titan FC right into another big national promotion in Bellator. What do you think was the biggest difference going from Titan to Bellator, if any? Uh, well, I mean, every fight is just as, you know, has its own set of challenges and its own set of, you know, whatever. set of obstacles and puzzles and all that. So, um, I mean, obviously, other than the size and the scope of the promotion itself, uh, I can't. I can't really say there was much of a big difference. So you were able to kind of just transition from Titan and Bellator. The, the 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 lights weren't any brighter for you. There was no difference in your preparation at all. Just kind of was the same, just a different venue essentially. Basically, um, I went from. I'm trying to think. Right after my last fight in Titan, um, it took me about two months but basically right after my last fight in titan we you know we began the working with like the idea of signing with bellator and um uh the only thing that really changed was i was able to i was able to quit my job i did security on the weekend so i was mm-hmm. able to you know focus full-time on training 
I, I, I am forever envious and jealous of those of you who were able to do that because I was never able to make ends meet enough just on fighting people to not fucking work at the same time, dude. So that's awesome. Uh, Steven, you've got a ton of submission wins in your career. I mean, the, the wide variety, the whole scope, arm bars, triangles, uh, Kimuras, Americanas, etc. Did Was that something that you really came naturally to you once you started learning jiu-jitsu was, oh, look at this angle. Like, I see what I'm supposed to be doing here. I see what my opponent is giving me to go ahead and jump on. Were submission something that kind of came naturally to you once you started training in jiu-jitsu? No, I uh, I always had good coaches. I always had coaches that were able to, you know, teach me how to implement my my natural, you know, physical attributes, my length and my height. And, um, you know, I was just lucky to get with the right people at the right times, you know, throughout the my career. And, um, you know, how much better, you know, even back then and then now, you know, an even bigger scale and the people I still work with. It's it, I've just been really blessed, man. Dude, that's fantastic. I mean, you look up and down. You, you, you know, I fought lots of guys who were tall guys, six, 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 seven, six, eight, and, and I could never have imagined any of them being able to uh, roll with the capability that you you have shown and the and find those angles that you've been able to do just in your young career. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a it's a great testament to your coaching and to your ability to uh, you know put A to B and make C happen. Right? You know, you learn it. You, you test it out, and then you actually were able to, to put it into a fight. So very big fucking feather in your cap, my friend. Um, so basically, I, I know you're originally from Pittsburgh, um, but you found your way to Sanford MMA in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. How did that transpire? How did that come to be? Well, um, I mean, some time ago, it's I got hired to be a training partner for uh, a guy named Jared Rochalt, who was fighting Stefan Struve, another tall guy. So, you know, through that, I was able to um, – I got the introduction to Henry Hooft, who at the time was the, the head coach at the Black Zillions. And um, I met him. I met Stefan, who was – you know, Jared was getting ready to fight. And it was just one of those things. It just worked out. Like, the, the chemistry was really good right off the rip, you know, from not just, not just from athlete to trainer, but also from, you know, as people. I just really gelled with the people that were here. Um, yeah, and then through the years, you know, we've had kind of like a, a, uh, administrative facelift between, you know, coaches and owners, but, um, over the many iterations of what our team has been, we're now Sanford MMA. We're happy to have a home. We're happy to have a wonderful partner in Sanford health. And, uh, that's just the way it shook out. Well, that's, that's very cool, dude. And you and I were talking a little bit off the air. We have a mutual homie. And uh, Randy Costa, who's just made his way down to Stanford MMA for uh, for a long stint, I'm sure. So that's very, very cool. I'm glad you brought up Stefan the Skyscraper Strew because my next question is actually it's perfect transition into that. So can I assume that you've done some extensive training uh, and sparring with Stefan, as we know? Um, what was that like for you, dude, for the first time going against somebody who was probably, he's what, three, four inches taller than you? How was that like for you? It was definitely an adjustment at first. Um, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> But, uh, no, Stefan and I, um, Stefan was an excellent mentor to me, especially whenever I first, whenever I first was making the transition from amateur to pro. Um, and he's somebody, you know, I'm proud to call friend. Like I said, uh, I, I, I want to made my big jump into the, you know, the deep waters, the MMA world, ironically enough, by helping somebody get ready for Stefan. And now, you know, I mean, several years on, almost six years later, um, it's just crazy that now, like, he's a good friend. I talk to him once or twice a month, you know, it, we keep up with each other. Like we ask how training's going. We keep up tabs on, you know, what's going on. Not just fight wise, but you know, in each other's personal lives. And sure, it's it's just been something really special. 
Yeah, I gotta I gotta imagine because you think back to the uh kind of the beginning of when of when the UFC was starting to blow up and then you think of guys like Gan, the guy the giant McGee and uh you know Tim Sylvia and some other giants, they were all of them seemed to be really one dimensional. And they were all just kind of plotting forward strikers. Now it worked out for some of them sometimes, but but you see now the the very tall guys, and Stephen Struve is a prime example of somebody who was super tall. However, not only was a good striker, but his ground game was incredible, dude. Uh, you know, people coming from the Netherlands, usually you think of kickboxing, obviously with Henry Hooft as a coach, but he was a submission guy. And like you look at your record too, you're able to you're able to handle yourself everywhere, right? So I mean, the evolution of being a big guy is no longer just the tall slugger out. It's being diverse, just like everybody else is. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And um, I don't know. I'm definitely a product of, I think, you know, the environment I've been in. I've been around the right people who made me want to cultivate growth everywhere. You know, striking, grappling, and like the you know the wrestling area. I really feel like I've just uh, been a product of having the right people around me. Shout out to you also for using the word iteration because that's one of my favorite words. And I think it's the first time it's been used on the show. So shout out for that, bro. Um, Correctly and now, in context. <laughs> right. We are down to uh, number nine already, bro. So again, I, I, this is all, this is more, it's more fun for me to talk to another heavyweight about this. So you don't have to cut weight. It really doesn't seem like it. I mean, you walk around about what, like 250, 255? No. Um, um, that that recently just changed actually. Sorry to cut you off, but we no, um, okay. one of the big things that especially around especially around the time I was getting ready to to go into to Bellator, um, my coaches told me like, hey, look, we have to we have to start treating your body like a like a machine. You know, we have to start feeding you right fuel. You have to gain weight. You have to start uh, fueling your body like an athlete, and that's that's something that only just recently. Uh, came to fruition, you know, like I'm trying to think before this, my last fight in October, we uh, really focused on my diet. And I mean, yeah, I'm with you there in that I didn't have to cut weight. You know, I'd, I'd always walked around kind of right in the, uh, I'm trying to, like right in the the high 230s, low 240s, which was, you yeah. know, the biggest I'd ever been in my life. But just recently, you know, we, we brought in a nutritionist. We, you know, talked about what I would need to, you know, operate at a level where I'm heavier, but I'm also, you know, just as athletic and explosive and, and fast. So now I'm walking around at about my last fight. I waited at 250, but generally I walk around at like 255. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, <clears throat> I think it's been huge, not just for my athletically, but you know, on a, on the, uh, the recovery side, I, I feel like I recover better. I feel like I train more consistently. Dude, that's badass. You could definitely see the transformation from even your first couple of fights in Bellator to your last couple of me. Without question, whatever you have going on, whoever you have helping you do it is working. You know what I mean? Because you could definitely see you filled out considerably uh, from last time. And I'm sure that, you know, that's that's only going to be beneficial. And I also think of it in the terms of, dude, of like, now you, you absolutely said recovery, but I, I would think of this injury prevention, right? I think when you have a tall, slender frame, we see the knees and the ankles and the shoulders all seem to have problems i don't know if you've noticed that of other fighters or other athletes as well so i think the more solid of a base and core that you progress on to is going to be beneficial for you as far as injury prevention yeah i've seen that too um i mean i've definitely always had little like nagging shoulder and knee things but my biggest thing i would say has been my back my i on and off and on have had issues with my back and my groin um mm -hmm. so i would say that was my biggest thing not that i didn't i've, I've been blessed and never have had a very serious injury that required, you know, a major surgery. 
you know, knock on wood. But um, right. But I mean, that's that's definitely what I've noticed too. You see a lot of guys, especially like in the 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 realm of tall men and other sports. You know, like your basketball, your stuff like that. Guys hurting their knees and you know things of that nature. So I've been lucky to never have like a real serious injury, and that's I really think a big part to. Like having a serious training regimen where, you know, I take care of that stuff. You know, my coaches look after that stuff. Yeah, you're 100% right, dude. Now, your your last fight was uh, October 15th uh, for Bellator. Do we have any idea or even in contact with the brass over there at, the, at Bellator about when we can maybe hope to see you in the cage the next time? Well, I'd really like to go. I'd really like to go early in 2021. And um, I think my biggest thing for me would be right now just just to stay consistent you know i'd like to get a turnaround like i said early 2021 so maybe you know late january early february okay um and then stay consistent you know keep keep competing keep showing my skill set keep improving as a competitor and as a fighter and um you know look you know look to showcase that for everybody well 100 percent, dude and you're off to a banger of a start i mean it doesn't you can't do much better than uh than start out jumping out to an eight no start and uh in your pro career and then all of your amateur wins prior to that. So whatever you're doing is working, dude. And we, you know, I, in researching, I've seen you fight before, but I, I hadn't seen some of your earlier fights, you know, so I did researching for the interview. I was able to see it, dude, you are absolutely coming along, not just on the, not just on your feet with the striking, but like I said, the, the transitions and the submission searching has been uh, really, really incredible to watch. And so we are all really high on uh, checking you out further in your career. So Steve, dude, we would love to hear your socials. So that everybody in the Rhino Gate can follow along with uh, Steve Mowry and we can check you out as your uh, pro- career progresses. Yeah, so go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Tall Steve Fights People. You can follow me on Twitter at Tall Steve MMA. Uh, I got rid of Facebook, but um, you know, the, go ahead and follow me there. I'd like to, if I, if you don't mind me shouting on my sponsors really quick. No, not at all. Go ahead, bro. Um, I'd like to thank Sidewalk Chef. I'd like to thank my newest sponsor, National Armory, America's Gun Range, and Pompano Beach. Um, both these guys have been absolutely wonderful to me. I'd like to thank Beards Conson. I'd like to thank all my coaches and teammates and training partners, my agent, everybody. Yeah, people got to realize, man, sponsors, especially when you are still, um, you know, not headlining a pay-per-view, sponsors are a huge part of, of income and about, about getting your name out there. And they are absolutely a critical and essential for survival in this game. And so absolutely anytime anybody wants to shout out their sponsors, they are more than I welcome to do that on our show, dude. So tall Steve, man, we really appreciate you coming on, dude. Uh, like I said, we'll get that poster made up for you, sent out to you. And uh, this should be up in the next couple of weeks. And we really hope to, uh, to follow your career as it progresses, man. We wish you nothing but the best. Appreciate it. It was good talking to you, Todd. Thank you for having me. You too, me. man. Absolutely. Really appreciate your time. And we'll talk at you down the road, my friend. Sounds good. Thank you. This is Bellator heavyweight Steve Mowry, and I just went 10 rounds with Brian O. Dude, it's so, so cool to talk to Steven. I mean, you know, you, you see a 6'8", 250-plus pound guy, and you're like, man, that's a monster heavyweight. Uh, so he's, he's he's striking to 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 look at to begin with, right? But then you talk to him, and I mean, what a what a down to earth, what a uh, what a really nice guy to talk to. I really hope and see good things for him moving forward in the heavyweight division over there in Bellator. Uh, I love the dude. I love. I wish I could see some of that sparring footage between him and Stephen Struve, right? That would be like two watching two NBA centers go at it. It would have been so much fun. But uh, yeah, dude, really hope good things for him uh, in the ensuing future for him over there in Bellator. So let's go ahead and get our shout outs and outros. I want to thank 
appreciate everybody who participated today, uh, not only in the write-ins, but in the voice questions. So we got RSP, Scott Nolan, Mr. B times two, Jim Assoon, Doc, D. Kranz, Kairos from the Shots Fired Pod, and his awesome YouTube channel. Thank you guys so much for that. Definitely want to thank my friends in the Rhino Gang, Brat MMA from over there, Sweden, holding it down, Lanta Brown, Marquise from Week Sauce Radio, my boxing broski, Angel Shark Division, the homies of the MCCI. You guys are awesome. Appreciate all you. I mean, I'll mention you right now. Steve times two, which other one is head kick, uh, Juice. Uh, my, my dude Cyrus King and the MCCI. Thank you guys for uh, all your support. Miss Fight Diva, Mike Morgan, APB, Mixed Man, Chelsea and Delilah from the TKO Pod, Sin City Sarah of uh, the aforementioned Shaylin. Uh, all of you guys who tune in week in and week out, you guys are amazing. You guys make it worth doing. Uh, the numbers are going great. The John Anik numbers were awesome. I hope this week does really well as well. You guys have all been just so amazing. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Obviously, to the Triple D, to D Reigns, the best engineer in the biz, to Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz uh, on Twitter and Instagram, the Einstein of graphic design, my broski, and of course to our future player, Drea, who comes in week in and week out and delivers the biggest, baddest ass drop of the night from the previous night's card. We love and appreciate you too, my friends. Next week, we're going to have a big, different show for you. I hope you guys stay tuned and check it out. Black Lives Matter. Be kind to each other. Let's get through this together. I love you guys. Thanks so much, and we will see you next week. Kane Sun!